0: Today, we're going to talk about leverage tokens. This is going to be the start of the podcast where we go and deep dive more into the very specific case studies and examples. I think I've covered enough of the fundamentals that now we can move on to a bit more application approach and application episodes. Today is going to be on leverage tokens. It's a new token design that's in the space and I think it's very interesting. The product is quite complicated because it's not as easy as a secondary market determinant on supply and demand to give its value. But there are a lot of intrinsic variables and factors that, gives, that give the, the asset value which is also very different from stable coins where you're just doing a one-to-one peg. but this is a different form of pack tokens so i want to dive a little bit more into to the economics of leverage tokens and let's get started today we'll cover five things what what is leverage token this is still a very new thing and i've done you know some quick research it's either quite technical or it's going to be just a regurgitation of whatever that's on, online and on an article form. So it's not very informative, it's not very value-adding, so I thought I would just bring in this, this side of the economic explanation. Then we have the, the types of token functions, because before we understand what tokens are, how to design the tokens, the economics of these tokens, it's important to understand what kind of functions that they have and what, what's the main function it holds so that you can better design the kind of objective function and embed the programming codes into the tokens. Three, we're going to look at the different token design and token types because this, this will give you a better understanding of why we're going to focus on leverage tokens and why this economics of leverage tokens is completely different from things like governance token, utility tokens and all the other kind of token designs available out there. Then we're going to start go, then we're going to go into the economics of leverage tokens. We're going to use the token economics framework. And I'm going to give you a recap in a little bit during, during that chapter. And lastly, we're going to figure out how to apply this to your project. So let's get started with leverage tokens 101. I know this podcast series is not for traders or not for investors, it's more for long-term investors and more for project, project creators, project entrepreneurs, or crypto entrepreneurs. Where you're building and designing your ecosystem and building and designing your product. But I still want to warn that leverage tokens is a high-risk product. Why? Because there are a lot of different things that will affect the pricing. It's not as simple as a supply demand in secondary market to give it value, but there are a lot of other things that's embedded into the, the token. The cool thing about tokens is that it's programmable, but because it's programmable, there are a lot of other risks involved. So in leveraged tokens, we're talking about volatility drag. Talking about volatility decay or beta slippage, we're talking about price movements of the token, premiums, funding rates, um, the movements of the futures or interest rates exposures. There are a lot of factors that will affect the pricing of to- of this token. The thing is because this is not this is not a simple token that is like a governance token or or other native tokens, protocol tokens that just helps to facilitate transactions. It is a pack token, it's a form of security, it comes from the underlying asset that gives it value. So there are a lot of other small little things that will affect the pricing. In fact, the pricing will come from internal volatility, internal factors giving it price and not so much of the external volatility and external factors, which is a very important thing that we're going to dive in later. So let's get started with a quick crash course. The, we're going to get started with the who, what, when, where, why, how to give you a ba- basic idea. Then we're going to dive deeper into it so that you have your mind has a, has a way to go and understand what I'm talking about. So who issues these tokens? These are derivatives exchange like BitMEX, FTX. Binance used to do that. They don't do it anymore. They issue these derivative tokens, these leveraged tokens. What is that? Instead of managing a leveraged position, you tokenize this position into a token so this token gives you leverage exposure, gives you leverage position, that's it. Where do you get access? You get access on your various exchanges. So an example would be FTX, if you, uh, BitMEX, if you go to leveragetokens.com, there are a lot of other exchanges that gives you this, this asset because it represents a leverage position, but because it's an ERC20 token, it's also traded in the spot market. When do you use it? When you want to increase exposure to the market. It's best to use during short-term because when you have leveraged tokens in the long-term, you increase your volatility drag, which is not a very good thing for your underlying asset, your your net asset value. And how do you use it? There are three ways to use it, but the easiest way is to just purchase it on the spot market to get leverage exposure. So with that basic who, what, when, where, why, how in mind, let's get a bit more detailed. Who issues it? Who issues it it really depends on the creation and redemption mechanism, which is something that is also part of the token design. Let's take an example of FTX versus Binance, because these are two Binance used to create its own leverage tokens. So these are two companies or projects that have leveraged tokens or used to have. And it who issues it, it's really dependent on the, the token design. So these are two case studies I'm gonna bring up because these are two different types of issuance. For FTX, anyone can create and redeem. Think of it as MakerDAO, where you can give your collaterals in terms of Ether or USDT or USDC, and it will mint DAI. So in the same concept, for FTX, it's the same thing. Anyone can mint and create and redeem uh, leveraged tokens. With Binance, it's slightly different. With Binance, it's really, they look at themselves as um, lender of last resort kind of thing, where they are the only one issuing and they're going to redeem, re- they're going to create leverage tokens anytime they want. It's a, it's a bit less transparent. And I want to highlight again that Binance no longer has its own leverage token. It, I mean, it doesn't create its own. You can get Binance leverage tokens on FTX, but not on the Binance platform. So based on that, these are two different tokens with two different kind of redemption and creation mechanism. But at the end of the day, who issues that is still the derivatives exchange issuing it. So what, what are leverage tokens then? They're ERC-20 tokens. That means it interacts on your MetaMask wallet, interacts on your crypto wallets. It also interacts on the different ERC or different Ethereum exchanges. So you can trade and transfer very easily. You can do your self-custody. It gives you leverage exposure to the market, as I mentioned. And for most of the leverage tokens, they usually give you three times exposure, which is the usual leverage exposure. It because they tokenize the leverage exposure, they tokenize the management of having this exposure. It's very easy now to have a long or short position. And everything, all the mathematics that that is needed to give you that long or short position is all embedded into token. Which is why tokens are interesting because they have programmable codes in there to give to help you to maintain a specific objective, and this specific objective in Leverage token is to give you three times exposure. It can be um, up or down, or long or short. I mean, I mean long or short, but it always it's always fixed as a three times exposure. So think about it as it's similar to having a man uh, having a leveraged position, but the thing is instead of manually changing, manually affecting your exposure, it does that, it does that automatically. In the code itself. So that's why it's interesting. There are a couple of types of leverage tokens. In general, it's two main ones, it's up or down, so or long or short. Long means you bet that prices go up, so you think that a bull market is coming. Short means that you think that a bear market is coming and you bet that the prices are going down. There are also two other types on FTX. It really depends on what kind of exchanges and what kind of exposure that these derivatives exchange are giving you. But the two other types on FTX is hedge and half. So hedging is where when prices go up in the long run, you will you will lose that in the same proportion in the, the leverage token value. And half means you just increase your exposure by half. There are going there can be other types of leverage tokens, different types of leverage tokens. I've not seen more, I've just seen long, short, hedge, and half. For long and short, there, the difference is that in usual, usually you just have three times leverage, but some, some tokens that I've seen have ten times leverage. So it's good that it gives you more exposure, but it also gives you like tremendously more risks. When do you use it? You use it especially when you are an experienced trader. You want to get exposure to price direction and momentum. You want automatic rebalancing because it's very diff- it's very tedious and le- laborious to keep having that three times leverage position. So it does this automatically every single day. And if you know where the market is moving and you want to bet on the market, there are a few ways to bet on the market. You know, leverage is one of them, options is one of them. You can even go to Augur and do like actual betting. And so this is just one of the tools to be betting. So why do we use it? There are a few... Benefits to using it, but then again, I will caution that it comes with high risks. So it's easy to manage a leverage position. You don't have to, you don't need to manage the admin of managing a leverage position. It reduces liquidation risk. So we're gonna talk about that a bit later, but basically, it when you have a leveraged position and you're not managing it manually, when prices drop, it drops by three times. But because it rebalances, it's programmed to rebalance in the token itself it helps you to reduce your, your liquidation risk, it, help you, it helps you to hedge your, your losses. It also automatically rebalances, not just at the end of the day to make it three times, but during intraday, if your exposure is, is like four times, then it will also automatically rebalance at that time. It remains constant leverage, so it's good to get a leverage position, you don't have to do the whole thing of keep editing your, your position. You can manage your you can manage the risk or the risk is being managed in the programmable code itself. And it's it's an ERC20 token. So you get to do self-custody, you get to custodize with with um a hard wallet or something else. But more importantly, it gives you compounded leverage. And compounded leverage is very, very good during bull period. So compounded leverage is anytime this leverage tokens they gain additional If they gain additional um, value or net asset value it goes back into your your position and so your position will be you'll have more exposure not not the three times exposure but you have more of the underlying assets that gives you better exposure so if you're talking about a bull market then and every day day one day two day three the market is increasing by five percent then you're taking five percent compounded three days and not just five percent as a static, traditional managed leverage position. So that's the cool thing. But it also goes in the other way. If you're losing five percent and gaining five percent the next day, you will have a volatility drag, a beta, a beta slippage because of the rebalancing. We're going to talk about that a bit later. So if we take a snapshot of what FTX is doing for the past for the past few days, you'll see that I charted a graph of three things. One is the Three times long token, so ETH bull. So ETH bull is that you're betting that Ethereum goes up. You're longing Ethereum and that you bet that the Ethereum market goes up. And then you have three times exposure. That's the blue line. And then you also have the green line. The green line is the the current spot rate of ETH and USD exchange rate. And the orange, the orange-reddish line is the perpet the futures. So it's a perpetual futures on Ethereum that's on FTX. And you can see the, the relationship you, the perpetual futures and the spot rate is quite it's very highly correlated. but you can see that the exposure given by the leverage token is so much more. It amplifies the curves and amplifies the volatility that Ethereum is looking at. So this is just to give you an idea of what what leverage tokens are and what kind of exposure they're giving it, they're giving you. How do you get it? I mentioned just now that there are three ways. The easiest way is to just get it on the spot market because it's ERC-20, it's tradable on a lot of Ethereum platforms and a lot of derivatives exchange. So you can just trade it on the spot market. The second way is to create so you can convert your coins into leveraged tokens on FTX. Different exchanges have different methods, but I choose FTX as an example because they really specialize in leverage tokens and they have a bit more explanation and transparency of how to get how to get your different leverage tokens and how the leverage tokens mathematics are and what kind of codes is programmed into the tokens. And the third one is to create and redeem your your leverage tokens. So now let's get to part two, token functions. Token functions are very important because they they give us an idea of what what are we supposed to program or what kind of rules that are embedded into the tokens that can be. That can be programmed into code or that can be coded into the token so that's why that's very important and this this table is the sums of of token functions i talked about token functions many times and this table has gone through three iterations so in 2020 with new tokens out in the market i've edited this this table slightly to take in more information and more innovation that's out there in the market so this table sums up the sums up the token functions. S-U-M-S. S is for security, U is for utility, M is for money, and S is for stable coin or stable token. But it's more of a PEC token than stable token, because it's only stable relative to the underlying collateral or underlying pack So to, a PEC token would be a better word for it. But I wanted the acronym of SUMS, so I just use stable token. For security, its purpose is really to represent the underlying asset. If you look at different assets available there are a lot of physical traded projects or physical physically traded secure securities and or they're also or they're traded but not on blockchain so the way to take them in is to tokenize them and to put them on blockchain and these are security tokens because they represent the underlying asset it derives its value from the its valuation is packed to the underlying asset and its feature is that it's a tradable asset now you can trade it not just on on a physical trade, but also on blockchain. An example would be something like a property token. So I've got a house and I tokenize the house so that you get to own tokenized versions of, of the house. Security tokens are usually also NFTs, so non-fungible tokens. And that's why it's, it's, tra- it's tradable and you can't really replicate it. It's very unique on its own. The other one, the second function is a utility. So a utility token, the main function is to assess the internal network. There are a lot of different types of utility token, and it mainly comes from the valuation of the internal usage of the system. And the function is that it's only going to be transacted within the ecosystem. There are different types of utility tokens, like transaction tokens, governance tokens. Transaction tokens would be like Ethereum Gas, where you're using it. It's a token. Its utility is to allow for transactions on the Ethereum network. You have governance token, like um, your comp, BAL, MKR, these are governance tokens where it's really done to assess the internal network, to affect changes in the internal network. And then the other one is also collateral tokens. So you have stuff like SNX, they're used as collaterals on the SNX ecosystem. So it's really used within the ecosystem. And the third one is money, or a currency kind of token. For that, it's really used as a means of payment. They can be packed or not packed, whatever. The whole function, the whole purpose is that it's used as a currency use is used for payments, is for store of store of value, your typical currency functions. It derives its value either two ways. One is via the market, the, the market, so supply and demand on secondary market, and that's how you get your valuation, or via debt. By a debt I mean IOU. So that could be a pet token or collaterals. So they're basically debt. Using debt to create tokens. And this works in a lot of central banks around the world these days because they're they're creating they're creating money by having debt. An example would be Tether or Ripple. You can say whatever you want to say about these projects, but I'm just giving you the functions of it. It's these are payment projects or these are current currency functions. And they have debt either via having money in the bank and so that's debt to issue new tokens or having different IOU statements. So these are how it gets its value. And a function is really to interact, it's a currency to interact between on-chain and off-chain transactions and information. And lastly, we're gonna talk about stable coin or stable token. Once again, it's packed token. It's only stable relative to the underlying asset. So the whole, the whole purpose is that you want to reduce volatility in the in the external market. So you wanna reduce external volatility. That means to create stable tokens, it's a bit more complicated because you have to design the the right kind of programmable code into the token to so that its value really comes from whatever the code is, than just a secondary market volatility or secondary market valuation. And that's why it's quite big in the space when you talk about stable coin, as in a one to one pack to whatever currencies out there. But if you think about it, leveraged tokens are also packed tokens because they're packed to three times leverage on the underlying asset. And this is where it gets interesting because that's where the whole rebalancing and mathematics of rebalancing comes in so that we can maintain this pack of three times no matter what. At the end of the day, we want, we want stable tokens or we want packed tokens because the, the main feature is that it is, its price level is controlled. It's controlled by the underlying asset and by whatever programmable code is there in the tokens. So this is very interesting. So now that sums up the token functions of four different functions, security, utility, money, and stable tokens. As, it, as I mentioned again, leverage tokens are stable tokens, are packed tokens. Because there. Are, I know there are four different functions, and if you look at your token design, they can have more than one function. For example, a security and a stable token are two different functions, or a currency and stable tokens are two different functions. The thing is, there is only going to be one main function, one main function you want to have as an objective when you're talking about the mathematical programmable code in your tokens. And in leverage tokens perspective, we're talking about the the DePECT feature, which is the three times exposure, three times leverage, which is very different from, from just being a security. So that being said, Now let's move on to part three which is the token design. Token design is very interesting because there are different types of tokens. There are different types of token functions, that's why we have different types of token design. As much as I want to say that we can just use one one mathematical model and apply to all types of tokens, it really depends on the token functions which also depends on the token design. There are a couple of token design categories and just to name it, you have governance tokens, utility tokens, collateral tokens, transaction tokens, currency tokens, stable packed tokens, reputation tokens, and leverage tokens that we're going to talk about today. So these are the various examples of tokens out there. And if you, if there's any token that you're interested in, just comment down below so I can do a deep dive and a case study. And today we're going to focus on leverage tokens. So the economics of leverage tokens. Now we come to the main part of this episode, which is the economics of leverage tokens. If we take back... If we take a look back at the token economics framework. You Just a quick refresher. There's three different pillars. You've got market design, mechanism design and token design. Market design is really the design of the environment where your tokens and your participants will transact and interact with. That's not what we're going to talk about today. Mechanism design is the rules of the game. It's the rules that's embedded into your ecosystem to affect different behaviors. So these are incentive mechanisms. These are governance mechanisms. They're very important but we're not talking about it today as well. We're talking about the third pillar, token design. Token design, is, token design looks at how you design the token, and because we talked about the different kind of token designs before, governance tokens, protocol tokens, reputation tokens, because we're talking about leverage tokens, some of these factors in token design will be, a, will be relevant, some of them will not. So quick refresher, for token design, we're talking about three main categories. The first one is token policy, second is financial financial incentives, and third is architecture. For token, for token policy, we're looking at the monetary policy and the valuation. So this is really more, you know, your supply, your demand, your creation, your redemption, your internal factors that gives it value, and that's all part of token policy. The second is financial incentives. So we're looking at platform activities or returns to investment or returns to stake. And lastly, we're talking about architecture. Architecture is more useful for um, security tokens and more useful for non fungible tokens. So it might and might not be so relevant. In architecture, we talk about property rights and distribution. So how the architecture of the, the token design. So with that being said, we'll get started with the different factors in token design to explain leverage tokens. So let's get started with token policy. We're going to talk about supply, distribution, rebalancing, volatility and leverage. But for the supply, as I mentioned, it's created and redeemed based on the demand of the users. So there is no fixed supply, in fact it's because it's packed, its supply is ongoing based on whatever demand of creation or redemption there is over there. So there is no fixed supply, the supply is just out there. You can get the supply via the, if you use etherscan, and you check the, the different wallets available on the different derivatives exchange, they will tell you how many um, token supply there is for the leverage tokens. It's quite transparent. The second is the distribution of token allocation. This is quite different from you know, inflation distribution that you see from a lot of utility tokens. But distribution of token allocation comes from for leverage tokens, really comes from the demand of people. And if you demand more, you, you will just get your leverage tokens. The other thing about token allocation is that remember you have the three times leverage exposure because it, every token represents a three times leverage. When you have more, more or less than your three times leverage, it doesn't mean that you're gaining or losing tokens. It just means that the tokens will, will rebalance. We're going to talk about the math later, but the tokens will, will rebalance so that your, your tokens will always have three times exposure. This is, quite, this is not about distribution of tokens, this is not about inflation distribution. But you will always have the, the amount of your leverage tokens, and you will not have more or less. It will just redistribute the underlying asset to give you the three times leverage. So distribution of, of token allocation here is not the inflation distribution that we talk about in a lot of utility tokens. Then now we talk about rebalancing. So rebalancing is really about the exposure. I keep talking about the three times exposure because the three three times is the usual leverage position that people have in trade anyway. And we're talking about exposure in two ways. One, or rebalancing in two ways. One is a fixed day. So every day at, I think, two two minutes past midnight at UTC timing, it rebalances. It automatically rebalances based on the programmable band that's already in the token to give you the three times leverage. And that is during the day. If you have more than three times, let's say it's four times leverage, it gives you too much exposure. You want to limit that. That's the whole point of this leverage tokens. It, removes the admin of you having to manually rebalance that it rebalances that automatically for you. so during inter- intraday it will also rebalance the thing about the thing about token this leverage tokens that I'm talking about is that it has a fixed exposure which is your three times exposure. you can also once again design different types of exposure maybe a mathematical formula which gives you more variables so individuals get to choose the kind of um, exposure that they want. Maybe they only want 2.5 times exposure, they get to choose that, they get to have the formula out programmed into their tokens to give them exposure. That could be possible, it's gonna be more complicated, and that's why right now it's a fixed, a fixed exposure that's already embedded and hard-coded into the tokens. In the future, we can probably see more innovation when it comes to your your exposure level. Then we're gonna talk then also there's also volatility. Of course volatility here I'm not talking about the usual volatility of utility tokens and money tokens. For volatility, I'm talking about volatility drag and volatility slippage. So volatility drag happens these these tokens are not really meant for the long run. It's not you don't really hold it for the long term because it gives you too much exposure because of the rebalancing, constant rebalancing and the fees that you have to pay. You are you're just losing some value in like some monetary value in your assets so you don't really want to hold it long term volatility will affect that we talk about volatility decay which is your beta slippage it's also it's it happens because these as i mentioned these leverage are compounded so they're compounded and rebalanced all the time to reduce your risk because of that you also have beta slippage which is the i call it a debt rate loss i think the finance people call it a different way but in economics i call it a debt rate loss because it's a loss that that you have compared to a, a perfect market per, compared to a traditional leverage token. So for example, if, if the value drops 5%, increase 5%, drops 3%, increase 6%, the token rebalances, because of it's, its programmed to do so, to reduce your exposure when it drops. But because it reduces your exposure when it drops, it, you have less underlying asset. So when it rises again, you have less exposure and you gain less. Compared to a static position, it doesn't rebalance, and it just has exposure based on the fixed underlying asset. And so, at the end of the day, you have different kind of returns. So that's called beta slippage, and that's one of the things that's that, that will happen. I guess you you could um, find ways to reduce beta slippage, but that's that's a whole new level of uh, that's a different type of financial engineering that haven't been explored yet, but could be an, an alternative in the future. Then, as I mentioned, for leverage, you have a fixed and variable leverage right now it's all fixed leverage because it's a lot easier if you have different kind of if you have variable leverage so if my leverage is two times someone else is three times someone else is five times then you can't have all of them as the same erc20 token and so it's going to be more complicated and it will affect liquidity and that's why this is quite different from a managed a leverage position because a leverage position is not tradable it's just a position and it gives you the freedom of having variable leverage because this is a fixed token this is a This is tradable, you need to have fixed leverage so that it can be traded and have a a united valuation. So now let's talk about valuation. The thing about when I talk about valuation in the token economics model or token economics framework, it's endogenous valuation. That means valuation that comes from within the ecosystem, within the token itself. You can have external valuation, which is in the secondary market where you are speculating it. That is not accounted for in, in the token design. Because when we're talking about token design, we're talking about the internal variables that we can control as designers, as your crypto project owners, and how do we affect the endogenous valuation. The good thing about endogenous valuation is that it, reduce, it reduces speculation and it reduces arbitrage in the secondary market. Once again, endo- endogenous valuation doesn't come all the time, it, it only comes from spe- specific token functions and token design. For valuation, we're talking about a few things, talking about the net asset value. So it's a value fixed within your tokens. This net asset value is your, your underlying asset and the valuation of the underlying asset. So what the, the leverage token represents. It represents three times leverage or three times the, the exposure of your net asset value. So that's that's pretty much fixed. You can calculate it, it shifts, but it doesn't shift so much. Then you have your leverage token price. So The leverage token itself gives you three times leverage, that's a fact. But the price itself is slightly different because it's traded on the derivatives market and so it has a a secondary exposure and so prices can change slightly. But prices wouldn't change that much because it's really constrained by the futures price, the spot price, the market expectations, a lot of other different factors. So technically it shouldn't change so much because if there is a big volatility or big shift or big change, then arbitragers will come in, or high-frequency traders will come in to minimize that the difference. Then the valuation also comes from price movement, price mo- movement of the underlying asset. So your price mo- price movements of the spot market asset and the the futures asset, because when we talk about redemption and creation of all these assets, we it will affect the it it has a secondary effect or a bigger, much bigger impact, which is buying and selling of the futures contract. It affects the, the futures. The, the futures will have more or less supply based on your position, based on your long or short position, and then it will affect the current prices as well. So there are a lot of different small little parts that affect the endogenous valuation of the leverage tokens. Uh, also, valuation doesn't just come from the value itself. Valuation also comes from the revaluation part. So there are a lot of revaluation that will affect the perpetual futures that these tokens are being packed to. So like your slippage, your slippage rate or your fees, there are a lot of different fees available that we'll talk about later and every, every single day with the revaluation being done or any time during intraday that there's revaluation, you have to pay different fees and when you revaluate, you will also, also experience slippage fees. The other fun thing that I also realised is that leverage tokens only have intrinsic value, so they, they, are not, they are not like options market or options where you have intrinsic value and extrinsic value Leverage tokens really primarily just have intrinsic value because value just comes from the underlying asset and the exposure that you have. The other thing though, when we talk about risk of valuation is as I mentioned, high frequency traders and arbitragers, Not just arbitragers and high frequency traders during price differences, but more of the risk of front running. So front running is when you're going to assess, you're going to rebalance, and then you're going to go into the market into the order books to buy and sell your assets during your entire rebalancing process. And since this rebalance is done every single day at a specific time, high-frequency traders and arbitragers could come in to take advantage of this information. So let's talk a little bit more about rebalancing and the math involved in rebalancing. Because at the end of the day, the fun part about token design is that you can program it, you can turn them into code and embed it into your tokens. So the let's take an example of, <clears throat> we're gonna, we're gonna bet that market is going up, so we have ETH bull, so ETH up, or we're going to bet that Ethereum is going up, we have a long position. So the ETH bull token is holding 200k dollars, and think of it as debt because you have to go out to to borrow it in the the secondary market, which is your your perpetual futures. Then you have your your leverage tokens, your leverage tokens is worth 150 ETH per token, and let's say the current trading price of Ethereum is 210 dollars. So this example is taken from FTX, and I'm just using these examples to plug it in into the numbers, into the math, so to gives you give you a bit more understanding and explanation of the math. So when we want, how do we calculate net asset value? Net asset value, as calculated in the f- traditional financial market all the time, is assets minus liabilities. You can divide by your number of, of equity shares, but we are not talking about that. It's just we're just talking about net asset value, as in assets minus liabilities. So the assets that we have is 150 ETH, because each token has 150 ETH, times 210, which is $210 per ETH. That is the price. And liabilities will be the ETH holding. The ETH bull is holding minus 200... uh, ETH ETH bull is holding 200k of futures, which is your liabilities, because it is a debt, you have to repay it. So that's that's your liabilities. So your assets minus liabilities will be 150 times $210 per ETH token, Minus your liabilities, which is two hundred k, and you get eleven thousand five hundred. That's your that's your net asset value. Now, what is your exposure then? Remember, our exposure we always want three times. To get exposure is your your ETH your ETH trading, or your assets divided by your net asset value. That's your exposure. So your exposure will be um again one hundred fifty ETH times two hundred ten dollars divided by your net asset value, which is eleven. and you will get about 2.739. So that's about 2.74 exposure. What does that mean? It means that remember we want a leverage exposure of three times and now we're only getting 2.74 times and that means we need to rebalance this this entire portfolio or, or your entire holding so that it gives you your three times leverage again. So your rebalance, your rebalance size is really dependent on the desired position minus the current position times the outstanding leverage tokens available. Your desired position is calculated by three, three, which is your ideal leverage, so three times your net asset value, so eleven thousand five hundred divided by your current trading price, so two hundred and ten, which is one six four point two, and your your current position. So that's your desired position. Ideally, you. Get three times leverage, you need to get 164.2. But your current position is just 150 ETH per token, so it's 150. So your rebalance size is, is simply just 164.2 minus 150, so your, your desired position minus your current position times the outstanding leverage tokens. So this rebalance size is how much how much ETH tokens that it needs to continue, it needs to hold extra or, or less, depending on your, your rebalancing portfolio. Times the outstanding tokens available, so outstanding leverage tokens that's available. Because you need, you can't, because you can't just rebalance one portfolio. You have to rebalance all the different portfolios, and because all the leverage tokens are the same value, you have to rebalance all of them. So it's multiplied by the leverage tokens outstanding. So I hope that that helps to explain a little bit more. Because of all the kind of videos and content that I see out there, they don't really explain what it is. They don't really go dive into the details. And I think the details are where it's super important. Now, what about platform activities? For platform activities, as I mentioned, there are different kinds of fees available. So the three fees that we're looking at is trading fees. So trading fees is the fees that you get all the time anyway. When you're talking about trading exchanges, you have trading fees. Then the two other fees that's quite new in the, the space is redemption or creation fees. So every time you create a leverage token, you have to pay your different fees. And the third one is a management fee. Remember, this is this is something like um, it's something like having a part of a por- uh, ETF portfolio or a mutual fund portfolio, and you have to pay management fees. So this management fees comes from the net asset value, and it's a daily fee, a daily management fee of your assets that you hold based on your your lev your leveraged tokens. So this is just to keep in mind. These are the three fees payable on the platform. And the thing about all of these is that it's it, it's affected by the time time delay. time decay in value. So the longer you hold, the higher the time decay and the less returns you have because of all the fees that you hold. The rebalancing doesn't take into account the different fees payable. So it's just calculating based on the, the nominal value and then the real value will be calculated after you remove the different fees. And what about the returns? This is another math thing which is quite simple. So the returns, as I mentioned, it's a compounded exposure, compounded leverage, which is very fun. So that means if Right, today it goes up by five percent, tomorrow it goes up by five percent, day three goes up by five percent. You're taking a compounded movement of that because all the additional revenue goes back into the underlying asset to give you to maintain the three times leverage. So this will affect the, the rebalancing formula, as I mentioned, because it goes back into into your net asset value. And so, what does the price movement looks like? The price movement in percentage is is as seen here, it's one plus three times three, which is your leverage position times m1 which is the movement in day one plus one times three times movement in day two and then again in movement in day three minus one which is minus your your starting position and that is the change in your price movement of your compounded price movement so this is this is good during a bull run because then you're getting more you're getting more returns compared to a static leverage position and lastly we're talking about architecture so the property rights the property rights I've been asking this question like too to many of my finance friends to get understanding and, and what kind of rights, economic rights are there. I'm not talking about the traditional kind of ownership property rights. I'm talking about just the, the economic rights. The rights that it gives is that it gives you the excess rights of the assets on the exchange. These leverage tokens, they I know they give you um a leverage position of the long-term petrol futures but it doesn't give you the rights to own them because it's, it's more of an obligation to be paying them. So it gives you the right to access the Ethereum's assets that's underlying, or your assets that's underlying your tokens. And lastly, for distribution, because this is not, there's no like inflation distribution, it's not a utility distribution. This distribution is really on demand. So there is no distribution per se. If you're interested to buy it, you just create, you just purchase it, and it's not distributed automatically, it's a manual way. And it's minted and burnt with on demand. So that concludes the entire the entire token design of how it's being structured. There are a few things that can be considered more going in into the financial engineering to reduce the different risks. But I don't think we are at that stage yet. So that is that is the entire token design. How do you apply it to your project, though? That's interesting. That that can be fun. It depends. It, if you are a derivatives exchange, then you know this is relevant to you because. It's a leverage token to give you exposure. It's not so relevant to other ex- to other kind of token design. So this formulas and this this mechanism is not very relevant to utility token governance tokens because they have different functions, different objectives to achieve. So if you're a derivatives exchange derivatives market, you're looking at you're looking at tokenizing your assets, not tokenizing utility on your derivatives exchange, not tokenizing your currency on your, on your derivatives exchange, but really just tokenizing the, the security asset itself, this is something that you can consider having leveraged tokens. So that's all for today. I know it's quite technical today. It's really, it's heavy economics, math, um, technology and finance. It's like one of the most dry topics, but I think it's very interesting because a lot of people have lost money on leveraged tokens just because they don't understand how to use it. So much so that um binance actually removed it from their from their products available also because um binance binance math heck, there is no math they the they didn't show anything it's not transparent it doesn't it doesn't give you any information of how it's been calculated how rebalancing is done a lot of nice fluffy stuff is going on but it doesn't translate into the math it doesn't translate into logic it doesn't translate into programmable codes so Leverage tokens is something that's a bit more sophisticated, it's a bit more difficult because there are a lot of variables that need to be considered and thought about before it goes into your system. And that's why it's fun. So that is for leverage tokens. If you're interested in more basic one-on-one kind of information, kind of um, knowledge, then feel free to go to our our course. It's the Token Economics Blueprint course and it's just a 201. I, I would say that whatever we're talking about right now is more of a 301 or 401. But for a 201, which is more than just the 101 that you, you see online, you can go to this course. You're having a 10% discount on... All, actually, we're having more discount on all the different classes right now. It takes a total of 15 hours. Each class is payable, and you get to choose the kind of class that you're interested in. There's a lot of research and information online that you can get access to to get an understanding of the, uh, the class. So till then, I'll see you at the class itself or I'll see you in the next episode. Bye!